They're like a little piece of history that you can just hold in your hand and I've seen them described as little works of art. Welcome to 100 Years, 100 Objects, stories from the collections of Lancaster City Museums. My name is Rachel Roberts and I'm the Collections Registrar for Lancaster City Museums. In this series, we're celebrating 100 years of our museums by looking in depth at 100 of our favourite objects and the stories that they can tell. Welcome back to 100 Years, 100 Objects, where we are looking at an object which could have passed through hundreds of hands. Although it's small and could easily be overlooked, it is part of the fascinating story of earning and spending in Georgian Lancaster. Our object today is a merchant's token. The token looks very similar to coins that we are familiar with today. It's a coppery gold colour and is roughly the same size as some of our larger modern coins, about three and a half centimetres in diameter. It features beautifully detailed images of Lancaster landmarks. On one side is a picture of the John of Gaunt Gatehouse at Lancaster Castle, flanked by a tree on one side and the Jailer's Tower on the other. On the other side is a picture of what most people know today as Skirton Bridge, designed by Thomas Harrison and constructed between 1783 and 1787. Around the edge are the words Lancaster Bridge and below the name A. Seward and the date 1794. We talked to Charlotte Apley, Museum Manager at Lancaster City Museum, to find out more about tokens like this and how they were different from normal coins. So tokens were produced by merchants and traders out of necessity so that they could carry out their daily commerce. Uh, they were usually made from lead, tin, brass or copper. Ours is copper, I think. And in the period that our token comes from, they'd have made up the vast majority of small change used across the whole country. They were made more cheaply than royally minted coins and they are a slightly different system as they aren't issued by the Royal Mint and they depend on a sort of trust between the trader and the public. Um, so as long as traders would accept them at face value, the public were happy to use them. So in a way, it's a similar sim system to coinage that we use now in that we're told what each coin is worth or what each paper note is worth and we use it as that it's sort of a um a tr it is like a trust-based thing you sort of take it at face value in a way and they were used in exchange for goods or services so much the same idea as coins too um they just weren't produced by the same people and the idea was that they'd be used for small everyday transactions and most tokens were made to represent a half penny. So around 95% of them were made to represent that, that sort of value. So really small values. This particular token was made by a company called A. Seward & Co. This was a Lancaster-based company, which is made obvious by the featuring of the castle and the Lancaster Bridge on the token. Uh, Seward hasn't put anything at all controversial on his token like some other ones but he has chosen two significant pieces of Lancaster's architecture. One of the fascinating things about tokens is that people were producing them themselves and there was no regulation in them either so people could do whatever they wanted so lots of businesses used them for a bit of advertising something fairly subtle they're only small you know coin coin size things but they'd have their business name or they might choose to make some sort of political statement or some sort of commentary on a social issue and there are thousands of designs by the time they've been in circulation for these particular type of tokens were around for about a 10 year period 
they made up almost all of the small change you could get your hands on and there were millions in circulation by the time they sort of went back out again with thousands of different designs and people had the freedom to put something into wider circulation that once it sort of left their hand it could go anywhere really and it's really interesting to see what people did with that. This particular token was last on display in the museum in 2013 in an exhibition called Hey Big Spender, Movers and Shakers in Georgian Britain. So they are a, a big part of Lancaster's history, which is one of the things that makes them so interesting and so collectible as well. We asked Charlotte to explain who would have used tokens like this and why merchants started to make them. Tokens helped merchants and traders to carry on day to day. Uh, but one of the main groups of people to benefit would have been a group that you might call the urban poor. So many locals known to businesses and traders with a bit more sort of capital behind them could have taken advantage of credit schemes, things like that. Uh, but poorer members of society might not have been able to build up that sort of relationship with any particular business. They really needed an instant system that meant goods and services were still available to them. With smaller values than the coins that were freely circulating, poorer people would be able to make smaller payments for smaller amounts of goods that if they only had coins of higher value, they might not have been able to get their hands on those in the first place. Uh, and it took the pressure off traders as well because it meant they could trade with anyone who had the means there and then rather than having to take risks on credit agreements maybe with people that they didn't know beforehand. So it meant that they were much more free to, to trade with new or unknown customers. The issue is with coins is that there was a real shortage of them. There was a real shortage of short of small change. Small change just couldn't keep up. So in 1775, the Royal Mint stopped production of copper coins because it, A, it couldn't meet demand, and B, counterfeit coins were becoming too difficult to suppress. So the Royal Mint just sort of gave up <laughs> in a way. It wasn't so much a problem for big cities but in smaller towns that were only just starting to come into industrialization they didn't have a ready supply of smaller chains that meant that people could actually use them on a day-to-day -day basis so for things like paying workers and allowing people to make smaller transactions people were really struggling so there was a real need for a solution but also they weren't regulated like coins were so like we were saying before they could be used for lots of different things as well as monetary value and um, particularly advertising that was a really useful aspect and merchants of course couldn't affect the coins being produced by the royal mint but this was something they had a real control over and once they'd worked out a way to make them they could produce a steady supply of them which meant they could pay workers they could issue them in change things like that and eventually they'd sort of come back around when customers could use them to pay for things in their own business the first firm to produce this type of token was the Paris Mines Company in Anglesey who began to pay the workers with tokens they had an advantage because they could supply their own copper being a mining company which made production much easier, but it didn't take other businesses long to learn how to make their own. So by the time this token was produced, it would have been one of millions in circulation in thousands of different designs. This is how, how much it really took off amongst other businesses. Tokens made in this period are known as 18th century provincial tokens, or perhaps more commonly Conda tokens, uh, which refers to a man called James Conda, who was an early collector and cataloger of um, lots of these different types of tokens. And it generally refers to tokens produced between about 1787 to 1797. 
Um, and ours was producing, I think, 1794 is the date it's got on it. So any merchant with the means to make their own tokens could make them. Um, they just needed to know where to get a supply of copper or whatever metal it was. And improvements in coin manufacturing meant that it was it was relatively easy to produce tokens of the correct weight with whatever design you wanted on them. And you really do see that once you start to look at the different types of designs on them. Some of them are really intricate. Lots of them are really beautiful. And I've seen them described as little works of art on collectors' website. And they really are. That sums up what they are. So uh, I would say it's really worth having a look into them if it's the sort of thing you're interested in. There's so many different examples. They feature any kind of design you can think of. We asked Charlotte to tell us a little bit more about the particular merchant who issued this token, Abraham Seward, and how tokens made by Lancaster merchants fitted into the national story. Abraham Seward was initially a, bell, a brass and bell founder who had his business on Market Street. He was born in 1760 and died in 1823. The firm he founded, A. Seward & Co, was still trading in the, into the 1950s. And the company seemed to have specialised in various trades, although similar to each other, you know, related trades throughout their existence. And at one point, they were one of the seven stained glass window firms in Lancaster from um, about 1825. They started to go into that. Uh, and the family business occupied several sites in Lancaster, including the music rooms, which is one of, I think, everyone's favourite buildings in Lancaster, uh, where they had a glassmaker's studio. The production and usage of tokens happened everywhere, all over the country, but it was particularly needed in smaller towns where the royally minted coins didn't always reach. So although the mint had stopped producing them, there was obviously still plenty around, and bigger cities certainly didn't really have any shortage. But for smaller towns where the money didn't really make it out to them, these tokens made a real difference. So social changes brought about by the Industrial Revolution meant that more people were in towns and cities who needed to be paid and needed to be able to buy things with the hard-earned wages. And there's all sorts of change happening about this sort of time. So increasing industrialisation all over the country meant mass production of goods, which made things more accessible to lots more people and more affordable. And traders couldn't afford to miss out on this market just because they didn't have the coins to actually deal with it. So having access to small chains to accommodate their spending would really benefit everyone. So why don't we still have tokens today? What put an end to their story? Tokens were outlawed in 1797. Very dramatic. <laughs> the, uh, the supply of these tokens had started to exceed demand and the quality was starting to come down. And they were quite easy to copy. So much the same sort of problems as the coinage before the, the Royal Mint stopped making them. The government stepped in and began issuing one and two penny coins in 1797. The tokens by their nature, even though they were, they were only in use for a fairly short amount of time, but they are incredibly collectible. And they're like a little piece of history that you can just hold in your hand. And they come in all sorts of different categories, so people have indexed them and they're very searchable, really easy to try and collect one of each token, that sort of thing. And they offer a little snapshot into a very select period in time. You know, you never really look at the coins that you hold in your hand, do you? But 
they do tell us so much about how people felt about all sorts of things given the freedom to create something that would go into wider circulation and it was a, a way for people to have a their own little bit of influence from their business that would go out into the wider world. Thank you for joining us again for 100 Years, 100 Objects. If you like this episode, why not listen to some of our others, where we'll be talking about everything from boats to books. <laughs>